On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I had the pleasure of talking to Rob Fraser from Endure Apparel in sunny Victoria, British Columbia, not too far away from where uh, we live. Man, what an awesome conversation. Rob has uh, grown, you know, completely organically bootstrapped. I think there are about 20 employees now there. Just a really, really great company, great guy to chat with, great guy to learn from. Uh, we talked about a few specific things uh, to do with his ambassador program. Um, they've got a massive ambassador program of about 1,000 people. So some really good learnings there and just a lot of stuff that I think you guys will get a lot out of today. At Mindful Marketing, we know that you want your brand to be successful. In order to do that, though, you need to predictably acquire new customers. The problem is Facebook and Google are only getting more expensive, which makes you feel unsure of whether your brand will survive. We believe that building a community of loyal and repeat customers is the answer. We understand how hard it is to predictably grow a brand, which is why we have created a system using our own mid-seven-figure e-commerce brand as a test case. And here's how we do it. Number one, we execute a profitable ads strategy. Number two, we build a brand-owned loyal base of repeat customers. And number three, we grow exponentially predictably and consistently so download our free sales launch checklist at mindfulmarketing.co slash slc so you can stop having sales that bomb and instead grow your revenue predictably and exponentially All right, I am here with Rob Fraser from Endure Apparel. I'm not sure if it was actually Fraser or Fraser, so I uh <laughs> anyway, Rob, welcome to Seek to Scaling Your E-commerce brand. Thanks for having me. Super stoked to be on. And yeah, it's uh I don't I don't know. I call I say Fraser. I'm sure there's people out there that say Fraser, but <laughs> I don't know. I'm not gonna say right or wrong, but I go Fraser. Uh Rob, it's great to chat with you, man. Uh we've already been chatting for 15 minutes, so you know this is gonna be a good one. Rob is actually uh, probably only about a uh, man three hour drive and ferry ride away from where I am in Victoria, BC. So man, we've like my favorite conversations to have are about mountain biking as like I'm kind of getting into it. And Rob has an insane amount of experience mountain biking. I'm sure you wouldn't even go with me. So no, I'd still I'd still go with you, you know. Yeah. I'll show you some things on the bike. You show me some things about marketing and we'll we'll make it uh mutually beneficial. Oh, that sounds yeah, that sounds great. So Rob, uh for people who don't know you, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and a bit about your company. Yeah, for sure. So what I call my first act or my first life was being a professional cyclist, as we talked about. So that was always the dream as a kid to race around the world. And my discipline was downhill mountain bike racing. So start at the top of the hill, get to the bottom of the hill through roots, rocks, trees, jumps, etc. as fast as you can, time trial style. So taught you a lot about preparation and just executing. You had one go at it, similar to downhill skiing. Um, you see in the Olympics, et cetera. Uh, so did that for 10 years, traveled the world, was on the national team, K national team five times, um, representing the country. It was super cool. And then when I was about 24 years old, kind of realized that this sport wasn't going to take me to the financial security I would need for the future. It's not super well-funded as it's not Olympic. There's people that definitely can make a good career out of it. I just wasn't trending in the direction where my results were going to equal where I needed to be to kind of follow that pathway. So even though I ranked second, in the country that year I retired, I kind of hung up the bike, you know, competitively for at least, and then decided I'm going to go back to school. The next logical pathway may look like helping other athletes, you know, so I've 
had this unique experience. I've gone down the path. Let's get some formal education in sport management and let's see how I can help others. That led to what I thought I wanted to do, but I was still feeling a void every day after chasing this like really big goal of trying to be a professional athlete and achieving it. I was like, well, you know, what's next? I, I surely I don't feel the fire from, you know, just going to school and getting the regular job and kind of climbing the ranks. Even though I did feel fulfillment from helping other athletes, I thought, how can I make a bigger impact? Right. So that's kind of led me in my, my last year of school to be like, I'm just going to start a business. And that was quite literally the only thought and preparation that went into it. I was laying in bed. Awesome. <laughs> I was talking to my then girlfriend, now wife. I was like, I think I'm going to just do this because why not? What do I have to lose? I've got some student loans. I've got all the time in the world other than class and classes honestly aren't that hard right now. So I can do the work in the class too. And I have an idea for like a new way to brand the athletic space. And so that led to founding Endure, which was quite literally a representation of what I was going through at the time. It was kind of talking about what does Endure mean? Let's take it back. It means to keep moving forward without giving up, right? So I was kind of in a, a transition period where I didn't know what was next, but I was searching and not willing to give up. So I found kind of what refueled that fire I had when I was an athlete. And I wanted to create a brand for people that were in that similar kind of space, whether they were still competing, whether they were transitioning, whether they were in their next act, a brand that talked about the journey and not necessarily the end destination, an athletic brand that wasn't just about winning and performance and all that, even those things are important and a part of our brand. We wanted to celebrate that adversity, perseverance, hard work, and the stuff mm. that generally goes unseen in both entrepreneurship, life, and sport. And so that was kind of the genesis of the brand. And you know, fast forward four years, built a big you know company brand, product line, and team, and we can dive into all of that. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to actually hear about that. So like, where is your niche? Like, who is that like perfect customer avatar for you guys? Yeah, for sure. So I'll stress that like when we started it, I had kind of no real direction of what product we were going to sell. I really started from the brand focus. I knew I wanted to cool. create brand. I wanted to create community, something that you know, in, the, in the end of the day, the brand, you know, no pun intended is what endures, right? And the ability yeah. to, to acquire more customers and people that love what and appreciate what you're doing will give you that freedom to enter new product categories, pivot, et cetera. So it started there and the that customer was really, or that person that joined the community was that person in transitional period that represented or identified with the perseverance mindset. Like, hey, I know I'm going through a tough time or I'm trying to go after this big goal, but you know what? I'm not willing to give up and I'm you know, going to challenge the limits of what's possible here, which is kind of our mission, you know, challenge limits of what's possible. From there, I was like, well, what's a product category that could help this brand message? And I, I kind of landed on socks because socks to me were this really unique way to express yourself. They provided a really unique canvas for expression. Yeah. Um, I took it a step further to say like, well, where do all the really expressive socks live? Typically in the business, this kind of casual world. So I was like, that's not a very great sock. They're really fun, but they're not really technical and great. And then on the other end, I had my cycling socks, my gym socks. So I was like, these are all way too segmented. They're not very fun. How do we make a great all-day performance socks that I can go to work in? I can go running, riding, training in. And then yeah. they also look great. So that was kind of the genesis. How do we have the ultimate performance canvas for expression? So that was the product category. And that provided a lot of opportunity to kind of scale direct-to-consumer e-commerce, given that the product was small and easy to ship. And then we just did a bunch of innovation around like the business model. This is around 2016. So the e-commerce trend was starting to go way up where Shopify was finding their groove. So we yeah. started on Shopify. Oh, good. And you guys, you, you guys didn't make the mistake and go somewhere else first. Other than Shopify. No, yeah. I know. I still I still hear people that are like big brands these days that aren't on Shopify and, and similar to us. I'm like, what? Like what? Like, like what? how do you sorry, even, where are you yeah, exactly? Yeah, what yeah. I, I blows my mind. And it's yeah. actually kudos to my wife. She somehow came across, she's not really in the business space, 
She's like, I've heard about this brand Shopify enough now. It's like, you should start on there. And so it really wasn't much more, um, it wasn't me researching what's the best platform other than just kind of lucking, like lucking out that she heard yeah. that one and that's where I went. But yeah, we've been on Shopify day one. We're now a Shopify plus partner. So we've kind of scaled with them and they're a fantastic platform to be on. But yeah, so that's kind Let's of the genesis of, of getting started. I want to ask you, because there's probably a lot of people listening to this from, from the people who reach out to me. It's generally kind of that mid seven figure, eight figure brand owner who listens to this podcast. When does it make sense financially to move to Shopify plus? Because I've been like, oh, what a waste, right? Like, why am I going to spend that extra money? But I think that there is a, a point where even with credit card fees, it makes sense to move to Shopify plus. Did you do those calculations or was it just kind of a whim sort of thing? No, for sure. There's multiple ways you can look at it. So that was definitely one consideration is you get a discount on fees. So if you look at obviously what you're spending on fees for the year, take that amount, subtract it from what your increase is going to be in the subscription fee, then, you know, you're actually looking at your total, you know, how much it's going to cost. So there's actually significant savings there once you look at high volume. There's other considerations like speed, downtime, being just plugged into that ecosystem where you can start to create flows and automations in the back end. You now have access to the code and different sections of the website, like customizing checkout, et cetera. So those are benefits. One of the main drivers from us was being able to manage multiple stores under the, the ecosystem. So now we, that was when we were kind of splitting our website for Canada and the US specifically and sort ah. of separate all of our marketing and website efforts to make sure that both brands were defined properly for the geographic location. So that means separate Klaviyo accounts, you know, separate ad accounts, separate, you know, Shopify accounts, making sure that these things are, the data is segmented, that we're using different strategies that work well, different products in each store. So that was one of the main drivers for Shopify Plus for us. I mean, you could also do it slightly less expensive and just have two different Shopify stores and accounts and do it that way for sure. But for us in scale, we realized that it was worth the investment plus all the other things like fee savings and automations and, and all the other benefits you have of being a Shopify Plus member. But um, in terms of like revenue point, when we decided to go to Shopify Plus, we were in our fourth year of operations and we're doing you know multiple seven figures in revenue. So I would not make that jump in the early stages at all. And no. can, there's so many things you could do. Even at our multi seven figure, you could have just put a geo locator and multiple currencies on your on your main site, multiple hacks. So I'd say like there's benefits at that multiple multiple seven figures rate or eight figures for sure. But uh, is it a must to have? Like, could we still do what we're doing without it? Yes, but there's also benefits for sure. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks for walking us through that because I, I think that's a question a lot of people have. Like, oh, should I go to Shopify Plus? I I don't know. I mean, I I feel like I've got some of those answers, but uh, but I loved hearing what what you had to say, Rob. That was super insightful. So let's let's talk how you guys have grown. What do you think the main driver of growth has been? over these last four years? The first two years were basically just figuring things out. I can't stress enough that I had zero business experience starting this thing. I didn't even know what the difference between a business and a corporation was. I didn't know anything. I really was leveraging. I was actually in the gym yesterday thinking it's like what you would learn in business school. I did all of that wrong. And what generally people that just go to business school do, I do wrong, I do right. So like I come from an area where I didn't know the uh, there was any other way to start a business than to make money. So I didn't write a business plan and go out and fundraising. I was like, I'm going to make a product, sell this product, make a profit and keep growing. Because yeah. like silly me <laughs> thought that was the only way to run a business, right? Which, <laughs> oh, totally. When I, I when I first started too, Rob, I'm like, I don't know. What do you do? And then people are like, that's called bootstrapping. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, well, isn't that just creating a good business? But okay. And then I see all these businesses, like they, they write the business plan and create hype 
do investment and maybe someday in four years, they eventually launch a product, right? So anyways, I was thinking is like, I did a lot of the good things, right? So I did like a lot of kind of just marketing organically, like creating the communities, yeah. developing a brand ambassador network, figuring out like, what is every single lever I can pull on that doesn't cost me money? And how do I create an authentic brand? Because I didn't have, you know, a bunch of investors to please, I was able to be really, really patient over two years while I figured out the proper product, building the brand, building the community, listening to feedback, being in the weeds, also being bootstrapped. I didn't hire a bunch of people. I learned how to do every single job before I started hiring or outsourcing. So I could quite literally, I, I learned everything there is to know about making a sock, designing a sock, doing the marketing, doing the Instagram. So being kind of a somewhat solo operator for nearly two years, I was able to really deeply understand the business. So in those first two years, we were definitely just kind of figuring it all out, all the while collecting incredibly valuable data because we weren't paying to acquire. We were actually able to, people that did enter our funnel or convert on our website, they were real customers. They just liked what we were doing. They came yeah. back because they liked our product. We weren't, you know, finding customers and just having, you know, a high turn rate on, on that or no repeat rate, et cetera. So when I finally did hit that inflection point at two years, kind of when I like quit all my other jobs, it was like this, I'm going all in on this is when I started mm. hiring and sort of scale this thing. We just started pulling on all those levers and growing them. You know, our email list had grown, you know, our social media following had grown. And then we had all this great data. So we're like, oh, we're gonna start doing some Facebook ads. We had a really great audience to pull from of finding, you know, like lookalike audiences and, oh, yeah. and finding who our real customers were. We just had all these insights. So I'd say like the main things we were doing was, patience. Like when you're building a brand, like I, I feel like especially building a brand or a business, like you just need to stay alive long enough to make sense of everything that's going on. You know what I mean? It's so hard to like guess what's going to happen. I find so many people try to guess because they're under the gun of like, you need to grow faster at all costs. And mm. it's very, very hard to make those with little insight and data. Like you can kind of guess, but what I was doing in the early days was building a brand that spoke to me. And then what I talk about now is that a lot of people try and build brands around solving other people's problems rather than their own thinking that, Oh, my problem's unique to me. But the reality is there's millions of people just like you probably going through the same problem. So you just need to find out how to reach them. So by kind of building an authentic brand around what I was going through in my community, we we're able to kind of really talk to our customers properly instead of guessing at who they would be and selling them a product they don't want. So there's a lot of stickiness with what we do now. Our repeat customer rate is crazy. Our conversion rate is crazy just because we've been so patient and we still don't pay to acquire a lot considering how high our sales are. It's just being patient and building brand. I think right back to what we talked about starting out, just building brand, not a product per se, and just talking and finding out who that community is and growing that has been super, super successful for us. That's great. Is your ambassador program still something that drives a lot of sales for you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it does for sure. So right now we have close to a thousand ambassadors. It's been unique how we built that. I built that on how I was an ambassador in the past or how I worked with my past sponsors and what I liked and didn't like. What I cool. found not very exciting was when there was a very transactional relationship where like, so if you're an ambassador and you're being told you have to do this and your referral gets you X, Y, and Z and all these rewards and stuff rather than creating that authentic relationship being like, hey, so for example, our program, our ambassadors, the criteria is that you're a living and breathing representation of our brand values. You're being an ambassador for us because we just like who you are and want to support the journey that you're on. And if we do that and you're doing that while wearing our products, we know that our brand is being put out there in the way we want it to be shown. So we look to find those people. We give them rewards um, and opportunities to get product at a discount and free product opportunities all over the place. 
just for being themselves. We don't want to change people, tell them what to do. So it's been over the past four years, just an authentically grown community. And we have them all together in a Facebook group where I and everyone else on the, the team and core leadership gets in there into the mix, answers questions, communicates talks to them. Cause I mean, like people that feel like they're too big to talk to their customers or interact with their or ambassadors, like, what are you gaining? I get real time data of like, Hey, what do you guys like? I get to hop in there and talk to these mm. people and, and interact with them and develop even friendships with some of them, you know, and it's super important to talk to your customers and talk to your community because they'll help guide you. And one realization I saw on Twitter the other day was like, you want to write great advertising copy, start reading your reviews. Your customers tell you what they like. Yeah. They tell you, yeah. they speak for you. You know what I mean? It seems very obvious now that I've set up, you're like, wow, I don't need to kind of like guess on how to create this amazing copy. Like I'll go read 200 of my reviews and come up. What is being said the most? What do people really like about this product, for example, or we can do a quick poll in the ambassador group. And yeah, so it's definitely a big driver for us, but it's more so top of funnel brand growth for us. And then we, we don't use it to really drive sales as much as that obviously comes as a result. But uh, we aim to keep a really authentic relationship with our ambassadors and kind of just grow the brand that way. I love that. There's something about that too, of knowing what the point of it is, right? And and for you, if that's top of funnel, then that's perfect, right? To just start to introduce people to your brand. I love it. I love ambassador programs. I love hearing about, you know, how people are running them. Do you require anything out of your ambassadors? Yeah. Like we have what we would love to see, you know, we don't want to be policing them. We do an annual report on whether people are still interacting with us and then give them the opportunity to be like, Hey, do you still want to be involved, et cetera. Really what we look for is echoing some of our key announcements, whether it's just a, like a, a story repost on Instagram, one grid post or story post per month, very simple stuff. A lot of activation through Instagram is what we do. Yeah. We do also give so they get a discount on product and a, a good one as well. And then opportunities to get free product if other kind of streams we do, whether it's helping us out with, you know, user generated content, reviews, et cetera. And then we arm them with their own referral code. They don't make money off of that. So it's really just a, a benefit to them that, hey, you have friends and family that want to try the product or you want to add value to people following you or in your circle, you can give them this code. It's going to give them X percent off the website. We don't do that through like a referral program, kickbacks or anything. That's really just a, a value add to them. You can but even yeah, just do that of, through a, through like a unique discount code on the yeah, website exactly. and just that's give them that. Do. Oh, yeah, perfect. So we just use a, we just use a bulk uh, discount code generator. There's a free app in the, in the app store. It allows you to create one code and then make a bunch of composite codes. So you don't have to go in there and set conditions for every code every time, which would be a pain in the ass. So, um, like, yeah, it's a good free app for anyone looking to make a ton of codes at once. Yeah, that's great. Hey, to step back just a sec, I was thinking about, you know, you thinking about yourself and solving your own problems and that you're not unique. I had I had a really interesting mental experience this morning. It was at, at our kids' school. It was um, Crazy Hair Day, right? And so you see like, you know, that's one of those days at school where the kids just like get so into it, right? And I'm like, all I can think about is my two girls who are, who are both in school. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so special for them. This is so special. And then we go to school and I realize, oh my gosh, this is actually special for 500 different people. It's like almost like I had this like empathy meter turn on of being like, oh, everyone's having their own unique experience here, waiting to look and see like how people are viewing them. So I think about that with, you know, we all think we're so special, you know, in a way we all are, right? We have these unique things, but needs wise, we're not that special, right? Like I'm not the only guy that started mountain biking in 2020, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> there's probably no, about 2 sure. million of us. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's like they're all having their own unique experience, but they're tied to this greater thing of the crazy hair day. They're all united by this one thing they're working towards, right? So although their journey of what hairstyle they end up with might be different, they're all kind of on the same path, you know? And so that's kind of what we aim to do is like, we don't, you know, like 
care what journey you're on, what you're persevering for our brand, whether or not my favorite stories are the dads like yourself that will find time to go mountain biking, having two young children and responsibilities in the business is incredibly time consuming, but you have to carve out time. And maybe that's not the time you want to go mountain biking, but it's the time you have to go and you make it happen. And you're like, that's a hard thing to do. Or the, the single parent that finds time to wake up and go running after you know, totally. going to their job like these are hard hard things and we just like to celebrate and highlight that person that you know is willing to kind of like go the extra mile to prioritize their health and fitness and wellness and all that and uh want to create a brand for that person in addition to you know the competitive athlete that's great that's great oh this has been so fun so far i'm gonna do a quick ad read guys okay so don't freak out if you want you can skip ahead i just i'm as uncomfortable as everyone else is okay <laughs> just kidding i'm not today's episode is brought to you by by Mindful Marketing. They use ads to get you off using ads. Most e-commerce brands rely heavily on Facebook, Google, Twitter, Pinterest for the majority of their revenue, not Rob's brand, but at Mindful Marketing, they use paid ads to build a community of loyal and repeat customers that will exist long after Facebook and Google. Go to mindfulmarketing.co to find out more. Some of the other sponsors on here are also Worth E-commerce who uh, you've worked with for a while. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's just great. Just great stuff. <laughs> uh, cool. Okay, let's move on. I got to ask you the question I ask everybody. What is your secret to scaling? That's a tough one because like, I think you would maybe agree that there's not necessarily secrets. You know, there's not this one thing you're going to unpack. And that's like a fallacy. I think a lot of entrepreneurs or people in the early days will think is that there's this one thing I've got to do that totally. someone knows this trick that I've got to do. The natural thing is to think that the low hanging fruit will yield the results you want just because you're not doing it, which is you'll find as you go down the path long enough is not true. I would say our secret is just patience, man. Like you just got to be patient and be authentic. So patience and being authentic will allow you the time to make sense of your data and get the right data. Because in the end of the day, when you're making big decisions, like where we are now and where we're doing a lot of modeling and a lot of budgeting, having that data and having real data, it makes all the difference. In the early days, you can make quick decisions and it doesn't have a huge impact. But now one small change might impact hundreds, thousands, millions of dollars. So having that really good data has been just invaluable. Um, so patience and authenticity, I think, are just so undervalued, but so highly valuable. I love that. I forgot, man. I feel like there's just so many amazing points that you brought up today that I wanted to to talk about a little bit here. One that I was I was trying to rack my brain. What was I going to talk about again? Um, when you were talking about customer reviews, right? So I'm thinking about data here, and you know, looking at customer reviews for your ad copy. Another great way that we found is actually doing for second time uh, plus purchasers, asking them why they came back to the store in a post purchase survey. It's brilliant for ad copy. You're just like it's it's very similar to a review, right? But it's right after they've made that purchase and they're still kind of on that purchase high. And you're like, oh, okay, this is why. So like for us, you know, 95% of people say because of quality and for the baby clothes, it's because they last longer than any baby clothes that they've ever had before. And we're like, of course, we don't say any of that in our marketing messaging whatsoever. That's not what where we're going with our marketing messaging. But now we know that that's why people are coming to the store. And so we'll probably make some tweaks in our marketing messaging. I just wanted to pile on that point. <laughs> yeah, that's super interesting too. And that could go further to define um, just like, affinity markets, like finding customers that just appreciate quality now, right? And adding them into your mix and, and your targeting. So you can take it like a, even a step further. And that's super, I'm going to steal that from you if you don't mind. That's super steal insightful. it. Please steal yeah. it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, Rob. Um, we're going cool. to move on to our lightning round here. It's not too lightning-ish, so don't worry. First question, favorite tool or app that you're using? Yeah. So I've got 
kind of four real quick ones. I got obviously Shopify as a platform um, of in the marketing space. Love Klaviyo as a marketing tool. As a former MailChimp user, I, I just realized what we were missing out on after moving to uh, Klaviyo. And shout out <laughs> to your other sponsor, uh, Worth Ecommerce. We have been working with them and they're great. Instagram, just as promo, especially organic and free. We talked about being patient, reaching and pulling on all the levers you have available to you to market yourself for free and build brand and community. And that could extend to Facebook too. And to really, really quickly touch on your point of how you guys look to use paid advertising to create community that live on. We're seeing that more relevant than ever, right? With especially iOS change and everything is like, how do we Huge. own our media? Like that's a great part of email is you own that, that channel and like they can't take it away from you with an algorithm change. Similar with building Facebook groups, like I said earlier about having our ambassadors in a group or building a loyal customer group, et cetera. So kudos to you guys for, for doing that. That's a super great strategy of just using paid to create brand and communities that lives on. And then honestly, this one's super lame, but I love it. Google Docs for collaborating, just like putting stuff in there, comments, edits, suggestions. It's so underutilized. At least it was by me for a long time. But as we've been growing and scaling, just the ability to work collaboratively, especially in this kind of new world where a lot of stuff can be remote. Google Docs, It's I know that's maybe not super sexy, but it's uh, it's super, super helpful. I feel like people just don't use G Suite enough, right? Like everyone's yeah. on Google Mail for the most part, right? Unless you're stuck under a rock and using Outlook or something, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Like we haven't really done it until like we're in that phase now by adding team members, things get more complex. It's like, oh, they don't have full context around stuff. So we have to have shared drives that have a lot of, you know, our brand guidelines and all the high level information, yeah, collaborative yeah. tools. And yeah, G Suite so great creating slides, decks, creating sheets and sharing. And yeah, it's amazing. We were definitely underutilizing it and had access to it from day one, but really not until like back half of last year, we started really implementing. So you're right. It is at, accessible to everyone for really, really cheap as well. Like five bucks oh, yeah. or something on a business plan free. If you have a main plan with like a decent amount of storage too, but yeah, it's great. That's great. Favorite podcast or audio book that you're listening to? Podcasts are like my first million. Oh, I've never heard of that one. It's just, yeah, check it out. It's just, it's very conversational like this. Two guys used to be interview based around people getting to their first million dollars in sales or they just shipped to kind of like talking about cool business ideas. It's it's banter. It's fun. I also really like how I built this for more of the story aspect side of entrepreneurship and then Tim Ferriss show as well. I'm not really into a book right now. I have read a lot of audio or listened to a lot of audio books when I run, but more on a podcast vibe right now. I totally do that too, where I, I'm like, I'm in an audio book. It's like, I get through like five books and I'm like, ah, I just want some conversation now, you know? I mean, I'll, I'll give you one now. though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, me too. I don't really have the time. I haven't found myself doing enough stuff where I can digest a book, but um, The Tao of Charlie Munger was the last one I listened to. And I listened to it back to back. I listened to it again. It was so good. Really? Um, it's just life. Yeah, man. It's all of his, like someone's taken all of Charlie Munger's kind of quotes and all the cool things he's done and expanded on it and talked about all the unique parts of what um, Charlie done super fascinating if you're anywhere in business like that would provide such a high level of insight around so many cool things they did building Berkshire and how he lives his life and thinks and mental models and frameworks it's phenomenal oh that's awesome I am going to download that book today I've got a couple audible credits uh, sitting around and I love I mean I love Warren Buffett so much that like yeah I just I think that uh, listening to a book about Charlie Munger would be Unreal. So sweet. Saying, let me know what you think. Yeah. Yeah. I totally will. If you could sit down with anybody for an hour, have some coffee, tea, beer, wine, uh, who would it be? Then they have to be alive. Good question. Sorry. They have to be alive. Anybody for an hour. Honestly, it's just going to be a lame answer, but um, I've, I'm from Ontario. I've, we're in a pandemic. Uh, we've like been away for a long time. I'd probably just sit down with my mom. Oh, yeah. That's nice. I thought you were going to say like Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> no, I, like, I think like, I think you're going oh, to kind so of like nice. sit down and, and do those things. And then also like dive in and just ask about the past for their journey too. I think we 
so often forget to like ask our parents about their lives and what they've done too. And like mm. how we've become who we are. So I, I actually realized like, the other day is I never really like interviewed my parents and been like, tell me about what you were like before me. You know, like, I just know you as mom and dad is like, you know, just took care of me and worked hard and provided a great life. But like, what made you tick? What are you excited about? So maybe not the coolest answer, but I'm a big fan of my mom and my family. I think that's a great answer. I love that. I'm a huge mom guy. I see my, <laughs> I see my mom like four days a week. So I feel like I'm very lucky to be able to do that, um, sure, especially yeah. during pandemic life. Rob, this was such a great interview. Thanks so much for your time. And just your authenticity here was, was really um, refreshing. No, no, I appreciate the opportunity. It's been great speaking with you. And yeah, any opportunity to be authentic, that's my thing. I just love talking about business as it's real because like I've been kind of figuring out as I go and feel like a lot of people like to kind of let their ego flare up and be like, you know, I'm where I am because I'm amazing, but I'm where I am because I didn't give up. You know, like I didn't know anything. I just learned along the way. I ferociously like figured out how to solve problems and just like my thing is think big and then think bigger and then just go mm. for it. You know, so anyone out there listening that's either wants to scale up from that seven, eight, like you said, or just wants to get started, like just start, you know, like just get started. I think that's the most, you know, like just don't quit, get started, be an infinite learner. And there's just yeah, execution to everything. You know, ideas are worthless without execution. So many people have ideas, but just do it. Yeah, totally. Nike quote there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where'd you get that one from? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. TM. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say as well for, you know, for people listening to this, we've talked a lot about Clifton strengths um, recently and strengths finders and how, you know, so they have these like four levels of, of strengths, right? Or these four different quadrants of strengths. So one is execution, uh, one is relationship, one is influence and one is strategic. So for me, for years, I really tried to execute on things, right? As, as myself, I'd be like just, and it was so hard for me to execute. I'd always have like kind of the grand vision, be able to build relationships. And then I realized after Clifton strengths, this is probably about four years ago when, when we first did it in our organization that I have zero executing and zero strategic. I'm relational and influential and that's it. And so what I naturally did was bring people in who can execute. So right. every single person in my life has achiever or responsibility in their top um, five strengths. It's, it's amazing. My wife, my uh, every business partner that I have along the way, they all have achiever, which is like the person that will just get things done at any cost. You know, and so so I highly recommend, you know, alongside of that, because execution is key. You can have all the ideas in the world, but if you cannot execute them, they're nothing. They're absolutely nothing. And if you're not an executor, don't try and execute. Just find people, right? Especially if you're relational, right? Just make friends with people. It's and it's not using them, right? That that's one thing that I had to kind of get over is like you're not manipulating them. You're you're using their strengths, right? So that you can use your strengths. Yeah, building a team is everything, I think. Like can I know we're wrapping up, but it's just like, it's an important point. Yeah, get started and execute, but you're right. Know your strengths, find the people that you can partner with that can, you know, highlight or, or be better at what you are than where you're weak and where you can add value and don't try to fight it, you know, like recognize who you are and what you're good at, hire and partner around it. And that's how you grow. And the most beautiful thing about business is when you find that person that is the opposite of you that can actually like execute on your ideas. And let's say mm -hmm. I'm, I, I haven't taken that test or whatever I would love to. So that's cool. And I'm going to do that. But um, I say, I, I like to live in the strategy side of things, but I'm maybe not necessarily always the best executor. And I have someone here that executes on that strategy and always I give them the idea where I think it's fully baked and I, I even do mock-ups sometimes and they show me what they come up with. I'm like, that's what I meant. That's so much better than I even thought. <laughs> that's and, awesome. And that's like, that's the cool part. I, I love that part of finding the right partner. That's amazing. Yeah, that's great. Well, thanks so much, Rob. Uh, this was just, yeah, this is great. Where can people find out more about you and connect with you? 
Yeah, best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. You just search Rob Fraser and you can find me. I don't know if you do show notes or anything, but we can, I can give you a link there. Yeah, 100%. Um, other yeah. than that, visit our site, crsocksandurapparel.com. And then I'm on Instagram too. But most of my stuff, most of my professional stuff's on LinkedIn. I do some behind the scenes stuff on Instagram. But uh, yeah, I'm happy to connect with whoever too. I, I try to make myself quite available, especially on LinkedIn as a first point of contact. So I, I welcome anyone to, to reach out if uh, they found this valuable or want to connect. And hey man, I appreciate you having me on. It's been super fun. Yeah, yeah, this is great. Well, thanks again. Hey guys. We hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.